Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. question is, is what are you building on that foundation in your life? What is it that you are building in a consistent basis with the knowledge that, hey, there are days that we build on both. There are times that we build either one. But what is the primary thing? What if, if, if there was an account that was t- taken of your life tonight, would your life be mostly wood, hay, and stubble? Or would it be gold, silver, and precious stone? What is your life accomplishing? In serving God, what are you pouring your effort into? Pastor David challenges you to consider whether you're directing your life toward that which is lasting and eternal or temporary and fleeting. All that we do in the world will be judged, and we will give an account for what we do on the day of judgment. By God's grace, it is never too late for Him to direct our lives, and the good works you do today can be an eternal investment with everlasting rewards. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Day of Judgment. have a dear friend up in the White Mountains. Some of you know him, uh, Nick Sciansky. He pastors a very small church in a very small community. Uh, in fact, their whole community is probably smaller than some of you guys' neighborhoods. But uh, he doesn't, Nick doesn't speak at conferences. He's not called to headline any kind of big crusades. But he knows Jesus, and I believe that he's known by Jesus. And that's a powerful thing. And you know what? His wisdom and his counsel to Tot and I through, man, about the last 28 years or so that we've known them, it's been priceless, priceless. You'll never hear his name on, 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 on big signs or anything. But he's a guy that, again, he's in touch with the Lord, and the Lord speaks through him. He, he doesn't have a huge Facebook following either, you know. But he's a guy that lets the Holy Spirit flow through him. And you'll never meet a more humble guy than Nick. He knows that it's not about him. It's all about Jesus. And this is what Paul is trying to get across to these folks here in Corinth. And whenever I, I read this, and I've studied Corinthians over and over through the years. I've preached on it several times. But it, ne- I've never ceased, it never ceases to amaze me to think of how this church, freshly born, five years old, just a few years after the very time of Christ, the move of the Holy Spirit and the move of God uh, in, in bringing people to the kingdom was so fresh and so powerful. And that these people had already gotten to the point of following after 
personalities rather than just following after Jesus. And how dangerous that is and how quick people are to get that way. Because in our humanity, we're so easy to slide back in to that carnal way, that earthy way. Paul goes on to speak to them in verse 5. He says, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. He said, I planted and Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Paul wants him to understand that, that he might have been the one that, that through his ministry, that church was birthed. And maybe there were some individuals that came to Christ during his ministry, but it was the work of the Holy Spirit that drew men to Jesus. Well, one man may have planted the seed and another man might have watered the garden, but it truly is God that brings the increase. God uses the foolishness of preaching. And when you think about it, the foolishness of preaching, a man standing up, opening up the word of God and declaring the truths of God, God uses the foolishness of preaching to bring people to himself. And that's not because of the greatness of the orator. That's the greatness of God and the work of the Spirit within an individual's life. People who are open to be able and willing to hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to them. And you might have come to faith under the teaching of one individual or one particular ministry, maybe another individual or a Bible study or preaching or other ministry activities or programs have, have fed into your life and encouraged and challenged your life, challenged your walk in Christ. Then there might have been a multitude of other resources Sources. There might have been books or radio programs or TV programs or conferences or studies that you've, that you've gone through. All of these things adding to your spiritual growth. But the bottom line is, is that unless the Lord reveals himself to you, unless the Holy Spirit opens up your mind, you would have never received and you would have never grown in your faith. That's what Paul is trying to get across to him, man. Get focused on Jesus. Get focused on the reality of what's changing your life because men will fail you. Men will fail you. And I've seen it over and over in my own life of pastors that I know and ministry leaders that I know through one thing or another have fallen and have failed and people's lives get shattered because of it. Oh yeah, it breaks our heart to see someone that we love and that we respect if they fall But beloved, our eyes can't be on man. Our eyes have to be on the Lord and understand that those that are giving the lesson, those that are teaching, those that are writing, those that are speaking, they're simply vessels that God is using. And if in Balaam's case, he could use a donkey to speak his word, then, you know, that just kind of tells us where we ought to be at, okay? (laughs) The bottom line, it's got to be the Holy Spirit working in your life. That's evident by the number of people that continue to attend Bible studies. They continue to go to churches. They continue to listen to radio programs, and yet they still remain carnal. Or worse than that, they they remain lost, and yet 
lost. And yet they've listened and they've read and they've sat maybe for years. And yet they're still outside of the kingdom of God. Why would that be? If it's, if it's the orator, why, this person's listened the same as this person. They both ought to have the same response. No, it's the openness that they have to the Holy Spirit and it's the work of the Holy Spirit within their lives. It's God that brings the increase, Paul says. The true ministers of God, we're, we're, we ought to be united for the very same purpose, again, that God would get all of the glory. And as a pastor, you know what? I don't get rewarded because my church is bigger than someone else's. My reward comes in my personal, faithful submission in doing what the Lord has set before me. And you know what? The same is true for you. Your reward comes not in the number of works that you do. Please understand this. Not in the number of works you do, but in your willingness to be faithful to what God has set before you. Otherwise, we can get so caught up in so many things. Paul reminds us our place in the kingdom. He says in verse 8, he says, Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. He says the attitude of a, of a Christian worker ought to be the same, not, not in competition with each other. But the attitude of man, I'm, we're just doing what we can for the kingdom at this present hour because the hour is getting late and the time is short and we just need to be doing what we can, where we can, as often as we can, as best we can through the leading and the direction and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We're not in competition with the church down the street. We're not in competition with, 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 a, with a ministry on the other side of town. We are actually in union with them for the work and for the cause of Christ. God's placed a multitude of workers within the field. There's a lot of trades that are working on this building that God is creating. And each one is equal and each one is important. We need to remember above all things, it's God's field. It's God's building. This isn't Pastor David's ministry. This is God's ministry. The moment it becomes my ministry, you guys ought to leave. You ought to go find someplace else. Because again, if it's not God's, if it's not God's ministry, then we're doing all of this for nothing. God's the one who's ultimately responsible even for the growth and for the success. I get out of the way, God can and will and do what he desires to do. And he then brings the increase. Uh, he allows others to join with him as, as ministers. But he's the one that brings the increase. And each one of us are called on to join him in this great adventure called ministry. Each one of us. Paul says that we're all called together for the work of the ministry. This isn't a one man's show. God has called me as the pastor here, but he's not called me as the only Christian worker in the, in the ministry here. He's not called me to do the only ministry. He's called each one of us, and we come and we join together for that work of ministry. And each one of us, we continue to build upon that solid foundation. Paul speaks about that building experience. Look what he says in verse 10. 
He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. Take heed how you build on it. Any building that's intended to last for very long, you better make sure that it's got a good foundation. If you don't have a good foundation, then all kinds of things are going to come against that building. All kinds of disasters can happen to that building. The foundation needs to be good. It needs to be set. It needs to be solid. Our foundation is Christ, Christ himself, Christ alone. Our foundation isn't the teachings of Calvary Chapel. Our foundation isn't the personality of Pastor David. Our foundation isn't even in the sweetness of the fellowship of the believers together. Gang, if our foundation isn't Christ, then we're in dangerous place. We're sitting on dangerous ground. Our foundation has to be Christ. Paul tells us this foundation, verse 11. He says, For no other foundation can anyone lay other than what was laid, which is Jesus Christ. Then he speaks in verse 12. He says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Everything that we do here on earth could be categorized as Paul puts it here, wood, hay, and stubble or straw and gold, silver, and precious stone. Think about your day. How'd your day go? Were you piling up hay and straw or were you collecting together some gold, silver, and some precious stones? Everything that we do, really, through the day. It's, either, it's one of those two categories. Wood, hay, and straw, or stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stone. Sometimes within the same hour, I can do gold and I can do stubble, okay? Within the same hour. Okay, maybe within the same five minutes. I, I, you know, it, it's just the way we are. Our life is an accumulation of those kinds of things. And, and each one's work is going to be clear for the day will declare it because it'll be revealed by fire. That fire is going to test each one's work, what sort it is. The problem that we have actually in this realm is a lot of times we can't tell the difference in someone's work. Rather that particular thing that you did, that you did, as I'm looking at you, rather that was gold, silver, and precious stone, or rather is wood, hay, or stubble. You go, well, pastor, can't you tell, you know, good work is a good work? No, because not every good work is done with a good reasoning and a good background for it. Sometimes people do good works just so they can get the accolades of man, get a little pat on the back. Sometimes people do a good work because it's expected of them, but they really don't want to. Now, I know that none of you have ever done that, but I've found myself doing that thing before. Doing something good because someone expects it and all the time in the back of my mind thinking, man, I wish somebody else would do this. Or man, I wish I hadn't committed to this. Or man, Lord, I'm really tired of this. Then that good work becomes wood, hay, and stubble. The things that you and I might look at in somebody's life that we might think is not very important may be the very thing that's gold, silver, and 
precious stone. It might not look like it's that big or that important to us individually. But that's exactly what God had told them to do at that time, at that moment. And because of their faithfulness, because of their willingness to be obedient, that small thing, that thing that seems so insignificant maybe to us, becomes something greater than that that we've done, which ends up being wood, hay, and stubble. All that we do, categorized as wood, hay, and stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. The foundation is solid as a believer. Our foundation is solid. Our foundation is Christ. But the question is, is what are you building on that foundation in your life? What is it that you are building in a consistent basis? With the knowledge that, hey, there are days that we build on both. There are times that we build either one. But what is the primary thing? What if, if, if there was an account that was t- taken of your life tonight, would your life be mostly wood, hay, and stubble? Or would it be gold, silver, and precious stone? Too often we take ease in the fact that our eternal security is found in Christ. And I'm I'm saved not because of me, I'm saved because of Christ, and he holds my hand and I can trust in him. I'm I'm absolutely uh, assured of the fact that he's begun this good work in me, he's going to complete it. But you know what? Too often we don't think about What are we supposed to be doing with our lives right now? If I'm saved, if I'm truly born again, what should my life be accomplishing right now? I'm not saved by works. You're not saved by works. But you know what, beloved? We are called to do good works. We are called to be men and women and young people who are doing good works. Do you ever think about rewards, about what the rewards are going to be in heaven? Did you know that there's rewards in heaven? Did, you know, the, the word speaks about several kinds of crowns, but there's also rewards. Paul makes reference to this time of judgment uh, that is going to happen for all believers. This fire that he's speaking about here, well, he also speaks about that same kind of a thing back in Romans chapter 14, verse 10. He says, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And one of you might say, not me, Pastor, because I read that as a believer, I'm not going to be judged. Well, you didn't read the whole story, okay? You're not going to be judged eternally. That was taken care of at the cross. But there is a judgment for for your life, and we're going to all stand before him. The, The very words that we speak are going to be called into account. He speaks of this judgment seat of Christ, and judgment seat of Christ is the Greek word bema, the bema seat. In the time of the Greek and Roman societies, that bema was actually a physical seat. It was, it was a platform, and there were steps that you would lead up to that, and the individual that would sit on the bema seat sat in judgment over those that would come before him. It was known as the judgment seat or the judgment place. We, we read about it in the gospel records. Jesus was brought before that Bama seat, brought before the judgment seat. In John 19, it uh, says, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the Bama seat, in the judgment seat, in a place that's called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. 
You would actually sit in that area and it was recognized, the Bema seat was recognized as a seat of judgment. And cases were brought before you and make the judgment at that point. In the book of Acts in chapter 18 and in 25, we read that the Apostle Paul was actually brought before the, the tribunal, it says, but they, in the Greek it's the same word, the, the Bema, because it was a place of judgment. It said that the association of the Bema seat with judicial procedures means that there is almost always an important judicial function associated with it. Therefore, in translating Bema, it's often best to use the phrase such as a place where the judge decides, or a place where decisions are met, or a judge's seat. In 2 Corinthians, and I know we're not there yet, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul speaks about it again. In verse 10 of chapter 5, 2 Corinthians, he says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear before the Bema seat of Christ. It's all of us. As a believer, you and I will stand there. And he says that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. Oh, but I thought I was saved. I thought grace covered everything. Grace covers your salvation. Grace covers your eternity. But beloved, we, we are called, we are purposed to be obedient and faithful to the things of God. And when you and I walk in carnality, when we walk in the same way as the world walks, then the reward and the glory that, that, that should await us is being done away with. We're, we're burning it up ourselves as we live our lives in a carnal way. Paul is bringing this warning to the church. You have to understand that all that we do in this world will be judged. Every idle word men speak, they will give an account on the day of judgment. Yet you also need to be aware of the fact that this Bema seat judgment for the believer, remember, it's not a judgment for eternal salvation. It's a judgment of our works as a believer. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, Paul, Paul goes on. He says in verse 14, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, remember when that flamethrower comes, when that fire comes upon the pile of your good works, if anyone's work built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. But if anyone's work is, is, is burned up, he will suffer loss. But what does it say? He himself will be saved. He himself will be saved yet as, yet so as through fire. The whole imagery of this is much more, it, it, it's much more than just a parable. It speaks of that judgment day of God, that day of judgment that comes, yes, even for every believer. And again, not a salvation issue. I need to hammer that in. Otherwise, you're going to leave here tonight. You're going to miss a third of the message. You're going to go home and say, as the pastor says, we're all going to be in judgment and we're going to burn in hell because I didn't do enough good work. That's not what the pastor is saying, okay? The book of 1 Corinthians is probably best known for its passage on love in chapter 13. 
You've probably heard these verses spoken at weddings, but these words on the character of love can also be applied to our relationship with God. God loved us so much that He gave His Son to stand in our place of judgment. Jesus came to this earth to live a perfect life and then took every sin of every human being upon Himself, dying so that we didn't have to. That incredible love is available to you right now. If you want to know more about Jesus and the life of forgiveness and love He has waiting for you, please call us at 520-836-9676. You can also send us an email by visiting our website at theopenword.com. As a next step, we encourage you to find a solid Bible-based church to help you grow in your walk with God. With a special invitation regarding that, here's Pastor David. Hey, I hope that today's message has encouraged you in your faith and given you a hunger to learn more about God. If you're in the Casa Grande area and are looking for a church to attend, I'd be honored to have you join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can find directions and service times by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church homepage. We welcome you to be a part of our time of worshiping our Creator and studying the words of the Bible verse by verse, growing closer to Him each week. Thanks, Pastor David. We are so glad you joined us today here on The Open Word. Pastor David will return to share more from the book of 1 Corinthians right here on The Open Word. Make us more.